Alright guys, today is the last episode of the Literary Terms lesson for Teaching Tuesdays. Um, we're going to finish up this week with S's, T's, and U's. And if you've been keeping up, you'll know which letters we've been skipping. And we're not going to do anything after the letter U, just because there isn't anything after the letter U in our Literary Terms bank of things to remember. So, after today's lesson, you will have everything you need to know, for the most part, for your, your literary terms. Your teachers may give you more on top of this, but this is good, a good, everything that you've been hearing here today is a good basis to have in your arsenal to help you whenever you're in English class, even in classes beyond in the classroom in English. Alright, so the S's that we're going to work on today are going to be contain the most that we're going to work on today. Um, the T's and the U's are going to be very short, so today's going to be, so this one's going to be very long. Alright, so the first one I want to talk about is satire. You might not get a lot of this in your English classroom, it just depends on the school district you're in, but a satire is the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices. This is particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. The most um, well-known satire out there is Gulliver's Travels. Um, Jonathan Swift wrote that novel to point out the inadequacies of England when it comes to politics and everything. And certain countries that Gulliver went to travel depicted certain vices that he thought that um, England needed to work on at that time. Alright, so that's satire. The next one is a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is a prediction that directly or indirectly causes itself to become true by the very terms of the prophecy itself due to positive feedback between belief and behavior. That one's kind of self-explanatory. Don't really need to give an example for that one. Alright, the next one is a setting. So this is the place or type of surroundings where something is positioned or where an event takes place. That one, again, is pretty self-evident. Don't really need to give an example. Alright, the next one is simile. Kind of talked about its partner metaphor in last week, but a simile is a figure of, sp or spe of speech involving the comparison of one thing to another thing of a different kind using, this is used to make a description more emphatic or vivid. So for example, you know, brave as a lion, crazy like a fox. And as I said last week when I was talking about metaphors, similes use like or as, as seen in the examples I just gave you, whereas metaphors don't. Alright, the last one I want to talk about in this segment is slang. This is a kind of similar to jargon in a way, but slang is the type of language that consists of words and phrases that are regarded as very informal. They are very common in speech, more common in speech than in any writing, and they're typically restricted to a particular context or group of people. So, you know, African Americans, they didn't have their own special slang, um, Caucasians have their own slang, Asians have their own slang, Mexicans, Hispanics have their own slang, so on and so forth, I can just go down the line. Um, usually there are different regions that have slang words that, that other regions don't. 
Um, it just can, that's as far as I really want to go right now without getting too political or racist or anything, but you know what I mean. Alright, let's get, move on to the T section. Um, there's only two T's that I want to talk about. The first one is a theme. This is the subject of a talk, piece of writing, person's thoughts, an exhibition, a topic. This is usually the idea that recurs in or pervades a work of art or literature. Some people say it's the lesson that trying to teach, what they're trying to point out, why is something so important, what is this really about, that sort of thing. And then the last T that I want to talk about is tone. This is the general character or attitude of a place, piece, or writing situation. Um, this is not to be confused with mood. Mood, as you remember from last week, is what the reader feels. Tone is how the writer sets everything up. Whether or not mood is complementary to the tone, that is dependent upon each individual reader. But tone is what the author is trying to come across as and try to create. Alright, the last segment and the last letter that we're going to talk about for literary terms is U. And there's only one that I want to talk about today. That is undertone. Not to be really confused with tone, but an undertone is the attitude that lies under the awesome, the tone of a literary work. So it's the implied meaning that usually points towards the underlying theme of a work. So in a way it works almost hand in hand with mood, but it's kind of the read between the lines that the author wants to push towards the audience, the readers. So it's like he's trying to influence the mood. You know, what is he really trying to say? What is he really trying to hint at? That is what undertone is.